smart. He was only 22. He had a, a whole life to learn. He was just a kid. A jury delivers its verdict on the couple charged with manslaughter after a fatal assault at a Burnaby Starbucks. They, they, they want us to leave so they can mow this place down. The homeless ev evacuation at a tent city in Maple Ridge. What happens to the residents now? And the brand new Whitecaps kicking off a brand new season at BC Place. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks very much for joining us tonight. We begin with breaking news. A verdict is in on a one-punch trial that claimed the life of a 22-year-old man. The victim died after being punched in the face nearly two years ago. The couple, accused of manslaughter, said they acted in self-defence. Jill Bennett now reports on the jury's verdict, including the video of the shocking assault. We make mistakes. The world makes mistakes. You know what? He doesn't get a chance. They do. They get to learn from their mistakes. Why can't my son? For Stephanie Page, the verdict doesn't go far enough. Lawrence Sharp and Olduce Punaruz, seen here leaving court, were both charged with manslaughter following the death of her son, 22-year-old Michael Page Vincelli. This video, played in court, shows Paige Vincelli walking into a Burnaby Starbucks after an altercation with Poonaroos in the parking lot. You then see Poonaroos, followed by her boyfriend Lawrence Sharp, enter the coffee shop. While Paige Vincelli eats a bag of chips, he is punched once and falls to the ground off camera. I wish they were both guilty once they see the video of what they have done to my son. You guys, will I be able to get a comment from you? Sharp, who claimed he was defending himself, was found guilty of manslaughter. It was alleged Punurus had incited and directed the attack. She was found not guilty. More surveillance video shows Sharp entering a royal bank. A witness testified Paige Vincelli called Punurus a dirty immigrant and told her to go back to her country. The court also heard Paige Vincelli threw a lit cigarette into the car where she was sitting. That's when things escalated. Punurus is seen coming back into the bank to get Sharp. It wasn't right with what Michael did and what Michael said. I won't excuse his behavior nor his actions of what he did and said, but he didn't deserve. He didn't deserve. Nobody does. Paige Vincelli suffered a skull fracture when he fell to the floor. He died in hospital. I loved him very much. He was smart. He was only 22. He had a, a whole life to learn. Lawrence Sharp will be back in court for pre-sentencing on May 1st. Jill Bennett, Global News. Now, after years of controversy, including a number of fires and complaints about illegal drug use, a homeless camp known as Anita Place in Maple Ridge was finally evacuated today. Police and city officials moved in after a court-ordered injunction. But what happens to the residents now? Julia Foy reports. This is what remains of our places, our belongings. 29-year-old Justin Tottenham lost everything he owns in a fire on Thursday night, but says Anita's place is still his home. We're prepared to do what we got to do to keep our place. And I know uh, me and a few others, we ain't going to let him take Dwayne's down without a fight. Dozens of homeless camp residents were stressed but defiant as they waited for the RCMP and fire officials to enforce an evacuation order that was granted because of safety concerns. This comes after three separate fires broke out at the camp in 48 hours. Yeah, I believe that there was arson and I believe that it was designed to make it look like we were at risk or the stuff that we'd fixed wasn't good enough. Like they've always said, we're not good enough. That's the fire line. 
so you'll have to move back. Just after noon, police and fire officials moved in. My job is survival. Residents tried to defend their adopted homes, but to no avail. We're fighting the state of rat infested area here. This is what I'm fighting for. Campers took what they could carry and were directed to go to a new emergency shelter site a few blocks away. Rather than provide actual housing, it's just been an ongoing process of criminalization, of vigilante justice, so-called, um, and a destruction of uh, what people have built. BC's Minister of Municipal Affairs and Housing, Selena Robinson, put out a statement that said everyone who's been evacuated can access shelter, food, health and social services. They can't just put them in a place and not have the support set up for them. A lot of people could only be a paycheck away from being homeless. Luckily the, the two by four flooring in the front room survived. As for Justin, his dream is still to return and rebuild, but not at the risk of losing his life. Out of a disaster like this, yeah, something good could come of it. Julia Foy, Global News. Homicide investigators are appealing for witnesses and information in the fatal shooting of a woman from Chilliwack. 42-year-old Christine Denham was critically wounded after being shot at a home in the 9400 block of Victor Street on Tuesday. She died in hospital on Friday. The integrated homicide investigation team is still working on a motive, but they don't believe Denham's murder was random or linked to any gang conflict. Denham was known to police but was not a gang member. We believe that there are people that have information. This, ha this shooting, uh, I'd like to remind everybody, it happened around 1 o'clock on Tuesday, middle of the day. Surely somebody must have seen something or heard something. Again, we make the appeal to those who knew her, uh, who knew what she was doing, who she was meeting with back on Tuesday, February 26th. Uh, please come forward. New Westminster's new rules against renovations are now the toughest in the region, yet residents are still taking to the streets to protest what they claim are unfair evictions. As Kristen Robinson reports, it is unclear if a new bylaw that was pushed into action last month will save some tenants from being kicked out of their homes. What kind of power? Even with an amended bylaw aimed at curbing so-called renovations, New Westminster tenants still fighting to keep their homes. I won't be able to afford to live in this area anymore. It's a scary feeling. For seven years, Kyla Yates has called an apartment in this building home. But days after Christmas, she and other tenants received eviction notices. We just don't see why our tenancy should have to end in order for them to renovate the building. It doesn't seem fair or necessary. My biggest fear right now is that we continue to lose affordable housing at an incredible rate. The city says tenants of 315 New Westminster units have recently been forced out, prompting council to unanimously pass new rules last month, approving fines for landlords who evict tenants without notice or fail to provide the right of first refusal after renos are done. I'm hopeful that it will help us, even though we were evicted before the bylaw was passed. Yates now disputing her eviction with the residential tenancy branch. There's an ongoing dispute, so I mean, I can't really comment on that. The landlord referred us to his lawyer, who told Global News his client chose to preserve existing rental stock instead of demolishing and building condos. Ending the tenancies was a difficult decision, but the only one available given the scope of the renovation, the need for vacant possession, and the existing legal regime. 
He adds his client has offered existing tenants subsidized rent and alternative affordable housing, which most have accepted. Still, some of those remaining say they have nowhere to go. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Three farm workers who lost their lives 12 years ago were being remembered today. The woman died when the van they were riding in skidded out of control on the Trans-Canada Highway. That happened on uh, March 7th in 2007. The 15-passenger van carried 17 female farm workers and only had two seatbelts. A golden tree was built in honour of the victims. Police at the time called the crash catastrophic. And today they have the right to represent themselves, to assert their authority and their vision and their demands for safety, health and respect on the jobs, our job won't be finished. That this would never have happened to workers who had a union. Let's be very clear. The RCMP are cracking down on commercial vehicle safety this week. Police in Burnaby spent several days conducting safety and mechanical checks on big rigs and commercial trucks. On Friday afternoon, the Mounties tweeted the results of their efforts. They are working with other partners in law enforcement. Traffic officers checked 530 commercial vehicles. Uh, they then identified a total of 207 of them for violations for various infractions. Elsewhere in Burnaby, Lougheed Highway between Kensington and Bainbridge is now down to one lane of traffic in each direction. This is to allow Fortis crews uh, to do gas line upgrades in that area. That work will extend to Como Lake Avenue in Coquitlam in the next few weeks. The stretch between Robinson and Gatonsbury streets will be restricted to local traffic and buses only. The project is set to wrap up by the end of the year. A Penticton cab company say they've been the target of a hack attack. Someone hacked the firm's Google page, changing their phone number to a competitor's. But that rival company says it has nothing to do with it. Jules Knox explains. Frustration, anger and helplessness. Because what can you do about it? Drivers at Penticton's eco-taxi became concerned when two weeks ago the phone suddenly stopped ringing for rides. We sit there and we wonder, why are we sitting for two hours and nobody's getting a call and yet I see the other cars going and coming. Then a customer calling in confused, asking why EcoTaxi's phone number was dialing a competitor's dispatch line. We find out our Google Pay has been hacked. Now that's their number. Instead of listing the number for EcoTaxi, the Google page now showing courtesy cabs direct line. Then, a few days later, EcoTaxi owner Balraj Gill says he got a text from a disgruntled ex-employee demanding cash. If you want a Google page and uh, emails back, I need money tonight. I said no. After the employee left, Gill says he changed his passwords, but not his security questions. And it was a costly error. It's been the pits for us. The company says it's lost more than half its usual business in the two weeks since it's been hacked. We are cutting back because all of a sudden there's not enough calls coming in, so some drivers weren't coming into work. As for courtesy cabs, it's calling the matter an internal dispute at EcoTaxi and says it's frustrated that it's been dragged into the fray. We have nothing to do with this. We don't want to take any responsibility that somebody called uh, EcoTaxi and number goes to us. We don't want anybody using our phone number on their side. And Courtesy Cabs yeah. adds that dispatchers yeah. have been told to give yeah. out the right number if somebody calls expecting EcoTaxi. Okay, As for Gil, he says he contacted RCMP, but they told him they couldn't help. 
Now he's waiting for Google to physically mail him a passcode so he can prove the company is his. In the meantime, he's reminding other business owners to update those security questions. Jules Knox, Global News, Penticton. A BC ironworking pioneer and one of the survivors of the second Narrows Bridge collapse has died. Before I looked around to face the south, I was in the water, 100, 250 feet down. That was Norm Atkinson in 2013, telling Global News how he managed to hang on when the temporary supports holding up one of the bridge spans gave way in June of 1958. 23 men died in that collapse. Atkinson was one of only 20 survivors. Two years later, the 60-year member of Ironworkers Local 97 was the first to cross the last girder linking the bridge together. Atkinson also served in the Second World War. He died on February 23rd in Kelowna General Hospital at the age of 98. And Vancouver also mourning the loss of a community leader. Former city councillor and one-time mayoral candidate May Brown has passed away. In her more than 60-year career, Brown taught physical education at UBC. She also coached the women's field hockey team. The poor state of Vancouver's playing fields is what motivated her to run for office. She then served on city council for a decade. In 1993, she received the Order of BC for her community contributions in teaching and public service. Brown is being remembered as a champion for youth and a pioneer for women and equality. She was 99 years old. Welcome back. Well, new research is going to look at the health of retired NHL hockey players and whether cannabis products can help those living with pain. It's the joint effort between the NHL, Alumni Association, a private healthcare company and a firm that produces cannabis products. Now, the study is going to look at whether those products might help former NHL players that are struggling with post-concussion neurological diseases. Researchers estimate that between 1.6 and 3.8 million athletes suffer from sports-related concussions every year. About 100 former players are going to be involved. Well, as Glenn said up on stage, that we're, we're kind of being the, um, the, uh, the start of this whole thing, the guinea pig, so to speak. Um, but the fulfillment that we can have just knowing that you're helping people generations down the road um, makes you feel awfully good. Well, we're the first sports entity to uh, venture down the road of trying to get players hope and help. Uh, no, one, no one else has done it. And so to me, for our group, I think it is a legacy moment and is one where we're going to provide that hope and help to every player that has played the game and is currently playing the game. And it's going to be science-based. Researchers are hoping the data will not only help elite athletes, but anybody dealing with traumatic brain injuries. Now, top local, uh, to- two local top softball players tried to make it into the history books today. They attempted to beat the current record for most consecutive softball catches and throws in an hour. Jordan Armstrong has more on how they did and why they carried out this stunt in the first place. Back and forth. And repeats. To break the record, they'll need to pull off 20 catches per minute. That's one every three seconds for a full hour. 
we have to beat 1,200 throws. So 1,201, but we're going to try to skyrocket that so that all of our sponsors will pay the top dollar to get all the funds that we can raise for kids sport. 95. Caitlin Ross and Larissa Franklin are both softball stars. All right, we got this. Let's go. Larissa plays on Canada's national team, and Caitlin is the head coach for Garibaldi High School's Softball Academy. When we've been practicing for this last little while, last month and a half, I make them throw with me like 300 a day just to kind of get them in it. Just the mental aspect of it too. I've just been thinking about, you know, what could happen, you know, if we overthrow one, stuff like that, and trying to prepare for it in that sense. Their record attempt to fundraiser for Kids Sports, a nonprofit that provides grants and equipment to children and teens. I see the value in sports for um, kids because I've come through the playing sports myself and looking back there's a ton I've received from it. Strong right to the end. Did they break the record? No. They shattered it. We got 2,278. We had to break 1,200. Leaving this with the goal, with the Guinness World Record, setting an example and raising money, I feel like I won the lottery today. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. Oh, I love that. Great job. A lot of catches. Good for them. I like how Jordan kind of like had us just on the edge there as well. Did they break it? No, they shattered Uh. the drama. All right, we're going to talk about drama. Uh, Lots to talk about in sports, but ahead of that, it was a beautiful day today. It's stunning out there. We had a fair bit of sunshine. Temperatures are chilly, but the, the silver lining is that it'll remain dry over the next little while. Temperatures are the big weather story. We'll take a look at some of the numbers right now. We're currently sitting at four, but it is going to be chilly once again overnight with the wind chill. Anywhere between minus eight and minus nine for Metro Vancouver. Interior areas, uh, areas near Kamloops are sitting at minus seven. And the peace, we've got an Arctic outflow warning for coastal sections and extreme cold. I'll have those details coming up very shortly. Yeah, actually felt like like nice weather today. Yeah. It felt like it spring today. Warm. Felt yeah, very it felt springy. springy. It was good. Very springy. Talking of springy, um, like a springy new team. Do you yeah. like that? White caps, yeah, a new players. Yeah, kind of like that. There a lot of excitement. I think a lot of people mm-hmm. I really like, uh, Mark DeSantis, their new coach. Lots of enthusiasm. You can feel it. All the players were really looking forward to it. They had their season opener today at BC Place. They had the roof on. Just a little too chilly, I guess, for the, the fans. Uh, everything went great except they didn't win. Uh, They lost 3-2 to Minnesota. It's an exciting game. I think there's lots to look forward to, but uh, they so badly wanted to kind of leave that good first impression with their new fan base. But a couple of mistakes in the second costume, but we'll have highlights and we'll hear from the head coach. Yeah, it's still got a long way to go. Long way to go. It's early. Welcome back. We're just getting some breaking news about a train that's derailed in Golden, B.C. The Canadian Pacific freight train went off the tracks this afternoon on the bridge over the top of Kicking Horse River. Now, luckily, no one was hurt and the cars that were carrying fuel and grain were not spilled. Access to the local ski hill uh, was blocked for several hours as crews there worked to clear the cars. Now, you might remember this is the second CP derailment in less than three days on thursday 20 cars went off the tracks near banff uh, that did spill grain and prompted a massive cleanup in other news tonight in oakville ontario three teenagers are now in hospital one of them is in a critical condition after a 13 year old took his parents suv and crashed on a major highway matt bingley has the details Aside from the hole punched through this fence, it's hard to tell anything is out of the ordinary. But just before 5 a.m., it was a much different story. 
The entire westbound lane of the Queen Elizabeth Way had to be closed for hours after an SUV lost control on a nearby road and came crashing onto the highway, smashing into the concrete median. They were very fortunate that they weren't hit or that they didn't hit another vehicle on the QEW. Investigators say a 13-year-old was behind the wheel of his parents' vehicle and both speed and inexperience were likely a factor in the crash. How he came in to be in uh, control of the vehicle, uh, we do not believe that he had consent uh, at this point. The police say that after the crash, several vehicles traveling on the highway came to the aid of the boys, including one off-duty paramedic. All three teenagers in the car were wearing seatbelts, but they did little to dull the severity of the collision. All three are in hospital, and Heffernan says the 14-year-old is critical after suffering a life-altering injury. The 16-year-old in the passenger seat was also seriously hurt, while the driver is recovering from minor injuries. Up the road at the nearby community center, shock over the news. Unbelievable. Just unbelievable. There are no words to, to comprehend that. It's scary because as a parent I have three kids and I expect them to abide by the rules. You know, you can't drive at 13. You have to have driver's education. While the circumstances around it are still under investigation, police won't yet say if charges will be laid in connection with the crash. Matthew Bingley, Global News. Well, after a week of scandal in federal politics, a reminder that one of the most turbulent periods of BC politics started 20 years ago tonight. Right now, News Hour Final with Ted Trinecki. Good evening. We begin tonight with a BC TV News exclusive. At 7 p.m., the RCMP Commercial Crime Squad arrived at the home of Premier Glenn Clark. It's the RCMP. Oh, it was on March 2nd, 1999, undercover officers raided the East Vancouver home of then-Premier Glenn Clark. A search warrant alleged, bre alleged breach of trust in relation to a controversial casino license the province had approved in principle to Dimitrios Pilarinos, who was a friend of Clark's and had done renovations on his home. Over the next three and a half years, Clark would resign, see his party decimated in the next provincial election, be criminally charged and eventually exonerated of any wrongdoing. Global's John Daly was the only reporter to witness the police raid. Did it have more impact because it was on video and on TV? Probably. On the other hand, uh, you know, we tried to get Glenn to talk that night because we knew that they, he and his wife were cooperating with the investigation. They were giving the RCMP anything and everything that they had. They were down in the basement, going through boxes, finding receipts, handing everything over. And, you know, frankly, I think had Clark come out that night and said, look, you know, we don't quite know what this is all about. They obviously have some allegations. We know we've done nothing wrong. Here's all that, you know, we're giving them all the help we can. And, you know, we'll be as transparent as we can with this. I don't think he would have had, he probably he would have had to step aside for a while. Uh, but, you know, would he have been able to continue on as premier? Maybe. An incredible story at the time. Clark was acquitted of all criminal charges. Uh, today, he's the president and chief operating officer of the Jim Patterson Group. U.S. Senator Bernie Sanders has officially launched his bid to be president in 2020. But with your help, we are going 
to transform this country. Speaking in Brooklyn, New York, where he talked about having a tough upbringing, he's also calling Donald Trump the most dangerous president in recent U.S. history. The 77-year-old lost the 2016 Democrat race to Hillary Clinton. This time it's a much more crowded field with more than 10 others also running to be the Democratic candidate. Meanwhile, President Trump spoke for more than two hours at the annual Conservative Political Action Conference in Baltimore. In his first public appearance since the failed summit with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un in Hanoi this week, he spoke about the Mueller scandal, dismissing it as, quote, collusion delusion. He also denounced the Democrats as part of the socialist nightmare. A disturbing video has emerged of the principal owner of the San Francisco Giants Major League Baseball team in what appears to be a physical altercation with his wife. In the video posted by TMZ, Larry Bayer and his wife Pam are seen arguing at a San Francisco park before he appears to grab a cell phone from his wife's hand. She falls over while yelling. In a joint statement, the couple says that they regretted the incident and are embarrassed but have since resolved the issue. Police say they are aware of the incident and are now investigating. In health matters tonight, many people use the weekend to try to catch up on their sleep, but a new study says that that doesn't work at all. Researchers at the University of Colorado found that when people resumed poor sleep habits after the weekend, their body clock was timed later and then they ate more at night. They also had a higher risk for metabolic problems like diabetes than those with a healthy sleep schedule. Welcome back. Let's take a look at the weather. It was a beautiful day. Lots of sunshine. Hopefully you got out and enjoyed it. And Yvonne's got details on uh, whether we're going to see a flavor of that in the next few days. Absolutely. So we'll continue to see the sunshine. It's the temperatures. Keep in mind for a few spots across the province, a couple of warnings to show you and I'll have more in just a moment. We're just after sunset this evening, but it is stunning out there. Temperatures are sitting at four for the airport with the westerly wind at seven kilometers per hour. Today was pleasant with a high of seven, still below the average for this time of the year. We should typically be in the double digits of 10. We're not quite record-breaking 14 degrees set back in 1975. Here's a look at the numbers. So minus 19 for areas into the northeastern corners of the province. Central interior sitting at minus 13. We factor in the wind chill. You're already into the minus 20s for many spots. Areas near Kelowna right now feeling closer to minus 12. What we do have in place is this cool Arctic air. It's entrenched across the province. We've been dealing with an Arctic front. It's been very weak. Not bringing much in terms of the moisture, but we've got these cold outflow winds that will continue to drop the temperatures for the following areas. Arctic outflow warning in red for the north coast, that's inland areas, where we'll see the wind chills dropping down to minus 20 overnight and for your Sunday morning. The northeastern corners of the province will see the wind chills feeling closer to minus 40. Southeastern areas will be at minus 35, and we've got Arctic outflow as well as the wind warning, and that's for areas near Howe Sound, where we could see gusts between 16 up to 90 kilometers overnight and leading in towards our Sunday before it does start to ease off. Now across the province, so the piece, the concern, wind chills once again, minus 40 and then minus 20 through the day. We will see uh, the sunshine all the way into early next week and to round off your weekend. Whitehorse at minus 27, the wind chill and its coastal sections are areas that will see the wind chill or inland areas that will see the wind chill at minus 20 along the northern half of the province. Caribou and central interior, risk of frostbite, wind chill at minus 30 and plenty of sunshine. Columbia and Kootenai region, but the wind chill 
chill for the morning hours will be at minus 18. So it's really about the temperatures, the cool Arctic air that's entrenched across the province. A northwesterly wind for the north, uh, the Thompson Okanagan with gusts of up to 40 kilometers per hour, sunny over the next three. Whistler will even see the risk of frostbite. A few clouds in the mix. It'll be more so for the afternoon tomorrow. And across the island, we could see gusts northwesterly for southern and eastern sections up to 70 kilometers per hour. And then it brightens up once again for our Monday, Tuesday. Bundle up the wind chill for Metro Vancouver, feeling closer to minus nine, and that'll be overnight. Temperatures for tomorrow with a few clouds in the mix will be up to five. A great start to the beginning of the week, Monday, Tuesday. We'll start to see a change on the way, and this will be Wednesday with an increase in cloud cover, and we could even see the return for some shower activity later on in the week on our Thursday, but for your Sunday, fantastic with a high of five. Sonia? Excellent. That looks brilliant. Thank you very much for that, Yvonne. All right, SpaceX and NASA are celebrating a major success tonight after launching an unmanned rocket to the International Space Station. It is a step closer to launching American astronauts into space again. Three, two, one, zero. Ignition, liftoff. It was 2.49 a.m. when the Falcon 9 rocket powered through the night sky, cutting a spectacular path to the space station. Live view of the Falcon 9 rocket as it ascends through the atmosphere. Yet again, SpaceX demonstrating remarkable engineering precision. As you can hear from the cheering here at SpaceX headquarters, uh, we did have a successful main engine cutoff. Success at every stage, including the reusable first stage guided to Earth for a perfect landing on a ship 300 miles out to sea. This unmanned mission, a critical test of the SpaceX Dragon crew vehicle that NASA hopes will carry astronauts to the space station this year. Along for the ride, a mannequin named Ripley, wired with sensors to gauge the G-forces and stress a real astronaut might experience. SpaceX CEO Elon Musk's vision, first the space station, then the moon, then Mars. I really believe in the future of space, and, and I think it's important that we become a space-faring civilization and, and I'll be out there among the stars. Dragon is set to dock with a space station tomorrow before returning to Earth next week. If all goes well, a manned test mission could follow this summer. That would mark the first time in eight years that an American rocket would carry American astronauts to space. Since 2011, the U.S. has paid for rides on Russian rockets. Now SpaceX and Boeing are taking over the job. Boeing's unmanned test is set for next month as SpaceX savors today's success. SpaceX is aiming for a manned mission in July, Boeing aiming for August. NASA has to fully sign off on both systems before they ever let any astronaut climb on board a commercial rocket. Tom Costello, NBC News at the Kennedy Space Center. All right, if you're a White Caps fan, you've come to the right place. Um, we will, yeah, she might still be hanging around BC Place right now. They might be, uh, might be drowning their sorrows or still talking about the match, but yeah, uh, yeah the season's already underway. I know, this is exciting. We're looking forward to some uh, much needed change and great results. Thanks, Sonia. Well, there's no doubt you do need a program to figure out who's on the Whitecaps this year. You can count on one hand how many players they have returning from last year's disappointing season. But in MLS, rebuild can be pretty rapid. Just ask Atlanta United. They won the MLS Cup last year in just their second season in the league. The Whitecaps, their new roster and their new head coach, Mark DeSantos, all hoping that they have some of that magic in 2019. The season opener, 
just completed at BC Place against Minnesota United. Big crowd on hand, over 28,000 at BC Place. Excited and maybe somewhat curious about what the Caps can bring in 2019. And this is a good start, five minutes in. Jordy Reyna free kick, perfect ball for defender Eric Godoy. The Argentine playing his first MLS match, and you can't get a better start than that. 1-0 Vancouver. Always nice to score off a set piece. Caps with their new retro jerseys this year. New goalkeeper for the Caps this year. It's a Canadian, Maxime Cripeau. Beat out veteran Zach McMath. Cripeau with the nice save there. Looking sharp early on. But then Jake Nerwinski. A little harsh on the foul on Francisco Calvo. It's in the box, no question. So it's a penalty. Darwin Quintero from the spot and he is going to make no mistake to the top of the net. Crepo guessed right but it was a perfect shot. 1-1 at the half. Second half it's Minnesota taking the lead and it's a pretty one. Quintero finds Francisco Calvo who made a terrific run from the back. 2-1 Minnesota's got its first lead and then just four minutes later another white cap turnover deep and it's costly Romario Abara with the shot takes a deflection off Godoy and in so an unfortunate bounce for the Whitecaps now down three to one but they don't give up that's a good sign big Daniel Henry will get on this uh, entry into the box heads it in his first is a white cap at Vancouver falls a goal short in its opener falling three two to Minnesota United what, what's more disappointed about the result, uh, for me, it's the, the, the kind of goals we gave away. Uh, the, the 2-1 and the 3-1 are kind of sloppy, uh, and I think we could do a much better job there. Then we, we scored the 3-2, we react, we push, everybody was very committed until the end, uh, but a little bit too late. All right, Toronto FC also kicking off its 2019 season in Philly. Plenty of changes there, too. Not as many as Vancouver. No more Javenko and Vasquez, but they still have Josie Altador and Michael Bradley. Stoppage time first half. Bradley gives TFC the 1-0 lead. And then in the 62nd, the Toronto captain is back for a second. TFC off to a winning start with a 3-1 road victory in Philadelphia. So one win for the Canadian team, Toronto, but unfortunately Vancouver loses. All right, the NHL regular season ends five weeks from tonight. The Canucks have 17 games to go, including tomorrow afternoon in Vegas against the Golden Knights. Vancouver would likely have to win 13 of its 17 uh, to get into the playoffs. And with their thin roster, there's virtually no chance of that happening. But as we've said, falling into the bottom five in the standings isn't a bad thing if it means drafting another key building block. Still seven teams with a shot going for the final two playoff spots in the West. Stars and Blues are in as of now. Meeting tonight in St. Louis, first period. Jamie Benn wins the draw, goes to the net, and a nice little deflection there past Bennington to make it to 1-0 Stars. Number 22 for Jamie. And then two minutes later, John Klingberg will snap it in. 2-0 Dallas. And uh, that is the score right now, late in the second. Blackhawks in the mix, tied with the Canucks with 63 points. Patrick Kane, 40 goals, second in the NHL behind Ovechkin. Hawks can score, but they can't keep them out. They were uh, rallied from the 3-0 down to tie at 3-3, but then Adrian Kempe beats Corey Crawford to make it 4-3 LA. Then in the third, Ilya Kovalchuk sets up the former Canuck, Brendan Leipzig. 6-3 LA wins. Chicago, the worst defensive record in the NHL. It does not look 
like they will get into the playoffs. Now, the Oilers began the day two points behind the Canucks, seven points out of a playoff spot. In other words, a long way out. But this afternoon in Columbus, Leon Dreisaitl, great feed to Zach Cassian. His 10th pass, Sergei Bobrovsky, one nothing after one. Second period, Oilers prolonged pressure. Jackets are dead tired. McDavid weaving through them, finds Dreisaitl. His shot tipped in by Josh Curry for his second of the year. Just got his first one last Saturday. That's his second. And then Dreisaitl continues to dominate. Picks off the pass. Give and go with McDavid. That's number 40 for the big German. Oilers look good today. Dreisaitl and McDavid, three points apiece. 4-0 over Columbus. Edmonton with 63 points. Now tied with the Canucks. Five points out of the playoffs. Habs and Penguins battling each other for an Eastern wildcard spot. Pittsburgh out of the playoffs right now if they started today, but just two points behind the Habs. 21 seconds in. This is basically a sign of things to come. All Pittsburgh. Sidney Crosby with his uh, 29th, just 21 seconds in, beats Carey Price. And then Crosby back to Evgeny Malkin. His slapper off a hab sticking in, made it 2-0. And then in the second, is now 3-0. Crosby sets up Jake Gensel's second of the game, 31st of the year, 4-0 pins. And it's 4-1 late in the third, Pittsburgh. Welcome back. Championship Saturday for the girls' BC High School Basketball Championships at Langley Event Center. South Kamloops took the AA title over GW Graham, 70-43. And going on right now, the AAA final, one versus two. Semiamu versus Walnut Grove. Semiamu yet to lose this year. Could they make it a perfect season? Raucous crowd supporting both teams. Walnut Grove playing right in its backyard at the Langley Event Center. And the Gators got the jump. Tavia Jowell hits the off-balance jumper there. Sammy Amu running the floor. They got so many weapons. Deja Lee with a nice bounce pass to Tara Wallach for the lay-in. And more from Tavia Jowell for Walnut Grove, taking it strong to the basket. Lays it in. It's a tight game back and forth in the uh, first half. Deja Lee hits the three for Sammy Amu, and we've just Got the updated score. This game's just gone final. Semiamu wins the championship 72-61. Complete highlights tonight at 11. Meanwhile, EPL Saturday. Pep Guardiola and Manchester City looking to elevate past Liverpool atop the standings. And it's Riyad Mahrez. He's struggled a bit since uh, coming over to City, but this is helpful. Gets the only goal of the match in a uh, 1-0 win as uh, Man City beats Burnmouth. So they are ahead of Liverpool right now, but Liverpool can regain first with a win at Everton tomorrow. Harry Kane and Tottenham facing Arsenal today. Gunners trying to inch closer to third-place Spurs. 16th minute, Aaron Ramsey off and running. Outweights Hugo Lloris, and it's 1-0 Arsenal at the half. Now the Spurs equalize on a Harry Kane penalty, which was a bit questionable. Arsenal got an equally puzzling decision here in the box in the 89th. The penalty awarded to them, but Emmerich Obamayang with a rather weak effort. Larice with the save. It ends 1-1. Spurs remain four up on Arsenal for third. Romelu Lukaku and Manchester United hosting Southampton. United were 11 points out of a Champions League spot when Ole Gunnar Solskjaer took over in December. They kept on rolling today. Andres Pereira stepping into it to tie it 1-1. Second half, Lukaku goes to work. Big man making some nice moves in the box. Finds the corner. 2-1 at that point. Southampton equalized, but in the 88th, the big man strikes again. The game winner is United take it 3-2 after being back in sixth spot. 11 points out of a champion's position. They're now in one. They're fourth. 
and within three points of third place Liverpool. First full day of competition at the Briar in Brandon, Manitoba. The host Manitoba is taking on Saskatchewan in their opener. Final stone of 10. Manitoba skip Mike McEwen needs to draw the forefoot, and he does to score two. Manitoba wins 7-6. Jim Cotter of Vernon representing BC. They lead Nova Scotia 4-2 in the sixth in their opener. Third round of the Honda Classic so, from really Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. Surrey's Adam Svensson started the day just two off the lead. Gets a birdie on his first hole, ended up shooting two over 72, and he is tied for 19th at two under. Meanwhile, Abbotsford's Nick Taylor also sniffing around the leaderboard. A nice birdie at the 12th, got it to four under. He also finished at minus two, as did Roger Sloan of Merritt. So all three BC boys in the field tied for 19th at two under. 56-year-old Vijay Singh. Five under 65. He's just one off the lead at six under. VJ hasn't won in over 11 years on the PGA Tour. He'll be the sentimental favorite tomorrow. And HSBC Rugby Sevens from fabulous Las Vegas. A week and counting until the Sevens touchdown in Vancouver. Not a great weekend for Canada. 0-2-1 in pool play. They tied Spain but lost to New Zealand. Also 26-19 lost to Samoa today. And just fell 21-19 to Scotland in the Challenge Trophy quarter. So they're done in Vegas. But saving their energy for what should be a great weekend next week at BC Place when the Sevens come here. All right, looking forward to that. Here's a look at your snow report for today. Whistler Blackcomb with a base of 247, Grouse 305, 310 for Cypress, and Sasquatch 251. Fernie with 12 new centimeters, Manning Park with a base of 165, and Whitewater with 5 new centimeters. 4 new centimeters for both Big White and Silver Star, and Sun Peaks with a base of 174. Kicking Horse with a base of 171, 232 for Mount Washington, and 270 for Powder King. All right, finally tonight, a story that shows that most people are basically just good. In Kingston, Ontario, it seems employees of a local grocery store, they forgot to lock up before the family day long weekend, but shockingly, nothing was stolen. We found no damage inside, uh, didn't appear to be any destruction of any kind. Yeah, it was on the holiday Monday last month. Some customers of the Food Basics discovered the store's front doors were accidentally left open from the night before. Uh, then they quickly realised when they walked in that there was no staff around. The store manager and police, though, confirm nothing was stolen. Anything customers did take from the store, because obviously when you walk in, you could walk into need, because you want to pick something up, they actually paid for those groceries in full. Honest. Throughout the afternoon, we had uh, 10 or 12 customers enter the store and realised that it uh, was uh, closed. And, uh, and most of them left. A couple did their shopping and left money for us. A regular customer of ours, she had a little shopping list, completed her shopping, wrote out what she took from us. Most of us are regulars at this grocery store and we know the cashiers, we know the people who work here. So it's not necessarily something that uh, we wanna do is just leave without paying. One customer actually overpaid for his order, taking two packs of cherry tomatoes and leaving $5 <laughs> on the counter. Do you think he called them tomatoes as well? Uh, tom yeah, okay. Tomatoes. Yeah, tomatoes. I'll, uh, one day, maybe I'll say tomatoes. <laughs> I don't know, maybe. All right, thank you. Maybe someone bought some aluminium foil as well. <laughs> thank you. One. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll see you back here tomorrow night. Good night. Good night. <laughs>